Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Me and Dan had the guys from Upstate Warden Diaries TV on and got to talking to them about some Game Warden stuff. It was a pretty interesting conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into the episode, i got to thank some of my partners. Osseo Gear. It's a great option for whitetail hunters. They've developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing company on the market in quality. Plus, you get a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo. Can't beat that. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand longer. Visit ASIOgear.com to get you some great hunting clothing. Alright everybody, let's face it, we all have cameras that are lying around, either broken or completely worthless. Thankfully right now, after a ton of great feedback from last year, Exodus is opening up a upgrade program. So how does it work? In short, order any camera on ExodusOutdoorGear.com and use the code UPGRADE to save 25% off on any Exodus render, render bundle, rival, or rival bundle. After placing your order, the Exodus team will send you a return label for the trade in camera. After receiving the camera, they'll ship you your full order with that 25% discount. If you're new to Exodus Trail Cameras, I'll just say this. I got a five-year warranty, five-year theft and damage coverage, and best-in-class customer services. Been using them their cameras for a long time, and I, I really enjoy using them. Getting ready to use their new model this year, the Rival. Can't wait to try that thing out. Be sure to take advantage of these unique savings opportunities and replace an old piece of junk camera that you got laying around for something nice like a new Exodus camera. This upgrade program is only for the remainder of April or while the their supplies last there at their HQ. As always, be sure to head over to their website and sign up for their email newsletter and stay up to date with all their announcements. I've caught wind of, that they have some really exciting announcements coming down the pipeline, so be ready for that. For more details on that campaign, uh, the trade-in campaign, head to exodusoutdoorgear.com slash page slash exodus upgrade program and i'll link all that in the description below hunting beast gear makers of the best mobile stand and sticks on the market you guys have not gotten your hands on the beast sticks or beast stand you haven't felt that wow factor yet and at these shows that i work with with hunting beast gear whenever someone new picks up a beast stand that's what happens is they get this wow factor on their face for the size and the weight there's nothing that beats the beast stand on the market you got to get your hands on one it's developed by real mobile hunters with a real world experience you guys are going to love their products so head over to huntingbeastgear.com and pick you up some beast sticks and beast stand and finally stealth outdoors if you're not using stealth strips honestly you're not trying hard enough stealth strips are hands down the best silencing tape on the market once you put that stuff on your gear it doesn't come off it'll last for years and it does exactly what it's supposed to makes your gear absolutely silent silence your preset stands with it silence your mobile gear with it go over to stealthoutdoors.com and get you some stealth strips my favorite product that they sell is the buckle silencer that seems like something that is constantly making noise is your buckles when you're swinging them around the tree or hitting them off something or they're dangling around put that buckle silencer on those buckles and be deadly quiet the link to all my partners are down in the description of this episode go and check them out all right everybody let's get into the episode hey everybody Hey everybody! Howdy! <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, we got a we got an interesting one for everybody tonight. We got a couple of guests from the um, from Upstate Warden Diaries TV. Um, former officer Brian Canzari and Lee Dufresne. Um, guys, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks no, for having us. Pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Um, Dan, how you been doing? I didn't get to talk to you beforehand. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Had a good Easter. How was your Easter? Real good. It was beautiful down here. It was like 75 and sunny and the whole family was here. So Almost too hot. How about you guys? How was your Easter? Fantastic. 
I had a I had a late night Easter dinner, and then we took a ride down to uh, watch giant walleyes swim up the Post and Kill River. Post and Kill Creek. Yep. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the Hudson River, obviously. Right. New York City, and the first barriers up into Troy, New York. So we're getting ready for stripers to come up, and that's a, a really big time of year. But right before the herring start running, the walleye will come out of the Hudson up into the creeks or tributaries to the first barrier and uh, start spawning. And so after the walleye are done, we know that's a good gauge water temperature. The herring aren't far behind. Right. And obviously chasing the herring are the stripers. So it's a gotcha. good time coming up. People are getting ready. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of fun. It's yeah. a great spring season close by. Yeah. And New York is so gracious, you can actually, you can fish for free. You go on and uh, fill out your thing to get your marine. Marine registry. Marine registry license, it's free. You just have to be registered with the marine registry. That's if you're fishing for marine species. Right. Right. If you're fishing for freshwater species, you have to have your freshwater license. Correct. Gotcha. Depends on what you're targeting. uh, And I think New York's the only state in our region here. That actually allows you to fish with the stripers for free. Every other state, you buy a license on non-resident. Before we get into a bunch of stuff, guys, could you kind of give us a um, summary of what you have going on and kind of where you guys are from? Well, I'm from Bennington, Vermont. I was uh, conceived and born down in New Jersey, uh, but I've been in Vermont most of my life. And uh, Met Brian back in uh, 2012 at a sportsman show at a school event. I was there with my camouflage company, mm-hmm. and he was there representing NCON. We met and, you know, hit it off, been friends since. About a year, year and a half ago, we started talking about, you know, game warden shows and things like that. And he's like, you know, I've I got a really interesting career. I've had 6,000 incidents, and, you know, he's a very highly decorated and respected officer in the region. And um said you know what do you how do you think a tv show about myself would go and i said well with all that (laughs) background and some of these stories that you tell us you know he has archival footage and i said you know i've got the technology and all the gear to put it together we can we can get to work (laughs) at it yeah you guys uh you guys haven't been on youtube that that awful long have you yeah Three, three weeks today yep and uh it looks like you you guys are growing pretty rapidly. You got about six thousand yeah, subscribers growth. already. Yeah. yeah, we got six. Yeah, when I first talked to Dan, we had about four hundred and three people three weeks ago. Yeah. And uh soon as we, we we he has a lot of archival footage that he shot with his cell phone and things. So we've taken all that and I've been editing and you know, it's a lot of editing work to do with it because you know we gotta <clears throat> I wanna block out, you know, witnesses and you know, uh, subjects and suspects and all that. So but uh, we got the footage, we're putting it together, and uh, we found out that people really enjoyed the hawk video and people shooting out the window at the decoy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, uh, those got us some real good engagement. Um, so this week, we've had 173,000 views on our channel. And oh, we're awesome. at 6.2,000, 6,200 uh, subscribers today. And uh, so I decided, you know, we're, we're going fast enough. Uh, we're going to give back to the subscribers. And um, I ran, I'm running a promotion right now at the end of our videos with information about subscribing. That the first 10, as soon as we reach 10,000, I'm going through that list. And we're going to draw someone from the subscriber list. Um, and they're going to win $500 cash as soon as we reach 10,000. There you go. So, so go, yeah. everybody. Uh, I... Uh... I linked your guys' YouTube channel in the description. So if you guys want to go oh, check absolutely. them out, uh, make sure you just go down in the description and it'll take you over there. Uh, also, you guys have a pretty good sized Facebook group on Facebook over there, it looked like. Yeah, so we've got uh, two pages. One uh, one is a classic page and one is a new experience page. The new experience page is up to 33,000 already followers yeah. and the other page is only at 2,600. So I'm working on migrating everybody to the one page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the uh, lots of cool stuff there. Yeah, lots of lots of cool stuff on on the YouTube channel for sure. Yeah, uh, I've been kind of binge watching it today to get ready yeah. for this uh, this show. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, appreciate so, that. So, uh, uh, I guess we know how you guys kind of got started and and why you started the channel. 
can you kind of just start us off with, I don't know, maybe like a one of the craziest videos that you guys have put up here and like one you'd recommend people going and checking out and telling us the story about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the hawk. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, the hawk, yeah. So we're going to do a few things with the hawk. Um, I got a, I got a few little promo clips we're going to make with the Hawk video, but, uh, so Brian got a call. Um, uh, he's a certified transporter and recovery, uh, what do you call it? Agent for wildlife that's injured. Rehabilitator. So Rehabilitator. part of my job, um, you know, fishing game, we also deal with a lot of injured wildlife. And part of that is maybe rehabbing, uh, owls, raptors, hawks, all sorts of small mammals. And, um, so we have a, a good network and we work along with North Country Wild Care. They have a whole network of people who are certified in whether it's uh, hawks, owls, deer, or rabies vectored species, which would be raccoons. <coughs> well, animals, especially when in the spring when you have orphan, you know, what do you do with some baby skunks? You're not going to just leave them to die. Right. Um, a lot of owls get hit on the road because they hunt over the road at night. So I, I've had, you know, many years of handling. There you go. <laughs> hawks, red tails, Cooper's hawks. Uh, probably one of the most, I don't want to say most popular, but most injured would be the barred owls. And you get some great horned owls and sometimes screech owls. So I've handled my share of uh, birds, we'll say. And when they yeah. say watch like a hawk, yeah, watch this. You're going to see what watch you like a hawk is. He's about to go to the back of the car. Watch the hawk. He is going to follow every move he keeps opening his mouth like he wants to say something to brian so when i recover yeah. look at him look at him yeah <laughs> like what can i help you so i i guess uh what exactly was wrong with him then so he, he was hit and he the house was near the road so he ended up in the bushes so it was pretty late at night when i recovered him so i brought him home had him in the back of the car till i could get a rehabber available uh, so when I came out in the morning, I was going to get my coffee. There he was out in, up in the front seat. He, he escaped the cage during the night yeah. and was sitting in the back seat. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so we, we had a little fun with it. I, you know, I said he resisting arrest and recaptured, subject secured. And then, and of course, the at the end is, is the release. And I just I, I thought this was fantastic. So I clipped it in here. And I mean, it, you know, seeing it released six months later, right back where it came from yeah and it didn't stop to say bye it was happy to, to get away <laughs> so, well, like so, bird, so whether we bring them to a vet we have some vet veterinarians that work well uh they'll they'll take the hawks the owls and yeah. we make it a point to release them back where we picked them right up. i got you yeah. yeah so you know i mean that right now that's our craziest as far as that goes we we've got some coming though we've <laughs> Want people to keep an eye out for the woodchuck. Uh, <laughs> oh we, yeah, we got a woodchuck that went into Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> broke into Dunkin' Donuts during the night. Couldn't get any glazed donuts, so he went in the manager's office and he destroyed it, defecated, <laughs> and ate the paperwork. And oh so my god, where's my check? Well, the woodchuck ate it. It would be the true story. And uh, then, of course, he arrests the woodchuck. It was a little bit of a battle, and then. <laughs> Walked him out to the room. <laughs> I let him go yeah. in the bar. I mean, that's the wildlife. But uh, you know, seriously, probably the craziest stuff would be the the deer jacking at night. Some of the cases I've had where oh, yeah. um, the deer in the bathtub. Um, a couple of my cases made national news. One was called zombie deer. Um, another, oh, yeah, was, I, I think I remember my, that. Yeah. Another one was the carp case with the uh, fisherman yeah. in the tournament. Um, they tried to, uh, they went on the public water supply with a pontoon boat, yeah. bow fishing, knowing the tournament was supposed to be on Saratoga Lake. They went on this body of water that you're not supposed to even put your foot in. It's the, uh, water supply for Troy and Albany. Yeah. It serves 135,000 residents. Right. Yeah. So there, there they are out bow fishing. So he gets a call, he sees the lights, waits for him to pull in. All right. He weighs the fish, measures them carefully. Tells them these fish aren't for a tournament now. You're going to have to dispose of them, eat them, whatever you're going to do with them. But he let them keep them. And he called ahead to the tournament and said, watch out for these guys. If they come, let me know. And they did. And then they would have had first prize, I think, $5,000. Yeah. 
and uh, mm. I had a few uh, officers on the lake, Saratoga Lake at the time, and they came over and uh, they got some more tickets. They were, they were actually in the process of weighing the fish in. Yeah, and uh, oh, so they were man. disqualifying. They were actually banned from national tournaments for carp fishing. Yeah, bow fishing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so they probably ended up paying out more in fines than they would have won in the prize. But you know, and I love the the end of the interview with the news reporter. She says, "Well, what's the moral of the story?" He says, "Cheaters never win." No, yep. <laughs> but I say yeah, it's kind of a special kind of stupid for you to to get told by a warden, "Hey, don't put these in the contest," and then go do it. <laughs> right, specifically, you know, and common practice would be we would release the fish back if they're alive but seeing they're bow fishing the reservoir you're not allowed to bow fish you can only angle there's no boats allowed in the water um, you're supposed to have a permit from the city of troy right. so there's several violations that they received but i weighed the fish i took pictures of them i measured them i had documentation i said take them home put them in your garden eat them just don't enter them in the tournament right but when and the thing is one of the um guys who owned the boat had a talk show and you know to have the big reputation of the best fisherman winning first he was willing to risk it yeah so he called me up a few days later crying saying you know i i have a tv show they're gonna drop me help me you know i said listen that's out of my hands you know you got your tickets i i'm not deciding whether you're banned from national tournaments or not that's that's up to somebody else all right you know you know, that's the thing. You made the choice. And so, you know, when you know, we get back to uh, crazy cases, you know, he's we got some cases. I, we've got the footage. <clears throat> he uh, invested a lot of, you know, in a lot of this. So our intro, our main intro, um, mm-hmm. intro, there's two of them out there. I, I, you know, I did the voiceover for it right now. We actually have a professional doing the voiceover for it. So it'll, it'll be different. But um in the intro, you know, we explain that uh, the work they do alone, whether it's rural or, you know, uh, remote areas, um, is lonely and dangerous. Not only do they risk death by hunters, trappers, and armed fishermen, there's, you know, natural accidents can drown, you know, killed by, you know, hit by cars, whatever. I mean, a lot of things can happen. so, you know, he spends a lot of time. We've got some tremendous footage uh, outside at night, just sitting alone, you know, miles in the woods near camps or campsites, listening for gunshots or, you know, human activity. Then he's got to, you know, hopefully he's got backup. Sometimes he's had to make moves where he got the call and he's got to go by himself. He's out there. He, some of the tactics he used are just fantastic. And I'm not going to give them away right now, but when they're, when they see it in the video, you'll just be amazed at some of the things he's done and, and how he pulled it off. Um, you know, just imagine confronting six armed men who have a submachine gun or whatever they're using out there, target practicing in the nighttime. And you convince them you've got four other officers with you somehow and they surrender without an incident. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough job for sure. Um, there's a lot of people that have negative interactions, you know, I'm sure with wardens and the biggest thing, and, you know, and I've seen it myself, you know, with friends and things that have, you know, made some mistakes. Ask him, ask him what it's like to hunt as a warden. Oh, be a hunter. Yeah. To be the hunter side of the warden. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah, it is. A lot of people don't want the warden to go hunting with them because they say they're, for lack of a better term, restricted. <laughs> Darn, I can't yeah. shoot out the window today. Yeah. Uh, well, when I just got out of the academy, I, a friend of mine couldn't wait. He was a big hunter, and he wanted me to go hunting on a property at permission. Unbeknownst to me, there was another person who had permission, and the two of them were feuding. Oh. So he had me out a field and got into it with this other guy, and he couldn't wait and say, here's my buddy. He's a game warden, and he wanted me to come in and take care of it. And I said, listen, I'm not working, so don't put me in the middle of this. Take that up with the property owner. That was the first incident. So I said, I'll give him another shot. So we went hunting on another property a week later, and we're walking out a logging trail, and here comes a doe. And just like he said, we're in uh, 4C, 
but I didn't have any dough tags for 4C. Dough stops. My said buddies at the time said, hey, shoot it. You know, there's meat in the freezer. I said, I don't have a tag for this area. Maybe a mile north, but not here. And his words were, you're the game warden. Who's going to give you a ticket? And I, so my whole career has been, you know, you have to lead by example and, and I can't be a hypocrite. And I even would preach to some of the young officers, hey, even if you're doing an undercover detail, whether it be fishing, go get your fishing license. Okay. Yeah. And if you're going to write tickets, you better, you know, lead by example and be a, a good steward for the wildlife and the laws and uh, practice what you preach, basically. Right. So, I mean, there are just a few things, but um, so hunting with friends sometimes isn't good. Right. And they don't, and most, of, and most guys I know, they don't want me with them anyways, because they think I'm going to find something wrong. And right. You know, and a lot of us do, they want to drink in the camp and I don't drink. So, right. Yeah. That puts a kibosh on it. And, you know, they like to throw the beer. It's, it's funny. So when we, we went out, we, we filmed a couple things for ourselves to test some gear and stuff. And so he's like, yeah, you got any beer cans? I'm like, no, we don't really drink beer here either. So we don't have any cans. He goes, oh, come on, we'll go up to this road. So we went over up the road. We literally picked up like 30 beer cans. Unless, and, and, he was, and he told me before we got there, he goes, oh, Twisted Tea is the drink of choice for road hunters. <laughs> we found, well... We found some Bud Light cans. I don't think we'll find any more of those. Oh, but we did find <laughs> a twisted tea. I couldn't believe how many. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's you know he's been doing it long enough. You notice those things. That's but, funny. Uh, yeah, you know, just uh, just some of the crazy stories. Guys running out of the, you know, he shows up to the camp to looking for a certain guy, and the guy runs out the back door in the middle of the dark, no headlamp, and he just waits till you hear him hit a tree. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Where are you going? Uh, <laughs> probably the decoy. It's probably people's favorite. Some of the decoy yeah. stories. Yeah, I was getting ready to ask you guys about that. Like, uh, could you like walk? Like, what are your guys' tactics and like techniques of doing that? Uh, uh, everybody's everybody's seen those videos. And you... away our secrets right now. Right, right. <laughs> All the officers they don't want that. But I, I, he, I'll tell you this. No, no, I'm not going to tell you a secret. But I'm going to tell you this: the the decoys are actually mounted. They're fully mounted life-size yeah. white-tailed deer and a lot of states have some really junky ones you know I, i'm sure you've seen some of the videos like you can looks like the head was popped on for halloween or something the thing is decoys yeah. they're, they're a tool so if you have a high road hunting uh people uh area where there's a lot of uh, mm -hmm. illegal road hunting it's a tool to curb that to right. use it and even if it's not successful you you don't well it take that back if you, even if you don't get a shooter, word gets out that we're out. And even if they make it and, you know, that right. will have an impact on road hunting in there, just waving the flag. So, gotcha. so he, so he's got what you want to, you want to tell him one story about the decoy? Which one? So about the guy that thought he was, you know, he thought, figured he was getting away, but he ended up getting him for a loaded gun anyway. So the, the decoy <clears> remote, <throat> something was wrong with it. The guy, one guy pulled up and actually shot at while you were trying to put the batteries. Oh in. no, that case was that was early. Um, I'm talking about the one with the head turned the wrong way. Oh, that one. <laughs> I'm so mad. I've probably had a shot 40, 50 times. Right. Uh, so but the one case was uh, dirt road. I I just put the decoy in the ground. It was really hard ground. It was frozen, and I just got it in there by a nice birch tree. And I was starting to walk across the road, and I looked up the hill, and there's a truck sitting up there. So I dove over the other side, over log. Next thing I know, the truck's right in front of me. Now, they're looking at the decoy on the other side of the road. My batteries had fallen out of the remote, so I'm stuffing them in the remote. And I just managed to hit the tail. Plip, plip. And I hear a shot. Boom! Right out the passenger window. So I dropped the remote. My partner couldn't. I tried to come on the radio. He was still finding, uh, looking for a parking space down the road, a, park, a hiding spot. <laughs> so I jumped out and I went to knock on the window, the driver's window. Now picture this. He's looking out the passenger window over his wife. And he has oh, the Jesus. barrel of the 30-odd six. She had to turn her head to the right because <laughs> the barrel was right in front of her out the passenger window. And uh, so I was about to knock and I waited because he was reloading. She plugged her ears, turned her head, 
and he shot again. <laughs> I, I was looking right in the pat, the driver window, like looking into an aquarium. <laughs> and he shot again. So I opened the door and I said, I'll give you one more shot. And the barrel hit the roof and he turned. He said, you got me. And I looked yeah. over at his wife and I said, how are your ears? And she said, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he, okay. so I found out he had been road hunting for 20 years and nobody could ever catch him. And that was probably one of my first cases at, uh, for the decoy in the county when I transferred up north from New York City. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, it, and yeah. I was telling uh, Brian about you catching the, you know, raccoons, opossums. Got me another one. <laughs> yeah, you know where that came from. I, I got a little background in uh, wildlife rehab myself. Oh, you do? Oh, awesome. So my wife does uh, uh, small mammal rehab. Mm -hmm. So she'll get calls uh, from our local wardens and stuff about raccoons and from residents about raccoons and stuff. And uh, we don't do it so much anymore. Um, but there was a time when we'd have like 100 babies here a year. Wow, and yeah. uh, we would uh, raise them and uh, end up releasing them back into the wild. Nice. That's awesome. That's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. We have a good network here with North Country Wild Care. They have uh, volunteers all over mm -hmm. the place, in all different counties. And even being retired, I, I, I spoke with North Country. I had a good, great relationship. They were upset that I was retiring. So when I called them a few weeks ago and said, you know what? I can still transport and help you out. And uh, they they were they loved it. And right away, the next day, I got a call for an injured eagle. Yep. So the opportunity oh, wow. to have my – and I've had I've had some and videos. Rac, and some, we've got an owl. We got it, The day I was headed out to meet them, yeah. they called me and they said, uh, you're, you're going to be a transport guy today. We got an owl side of the road. I went and found him, and it's amazing. I've seen owls in the woods, and, mm -hmm. and there are two things I'm going to tell you. You'd be out in the woods, Dan, you had an owl come and land by you, and, you know, we think, wow, that's the coolest thing. That he doesn't know we're here. <laughs> you know why the owl actually came and landed by us? I'm wondering if you know, because this the, I learned this the other day after all the years I've been in the woods. The owl can hear your heartbeat mm -hmm. the length of a football field and a mouse's heartbeat. So they come flying to see where the heartbeat's coming from. So mm -hmm. I got out of the truck. Oh, I had the car. Sorry. I had the Challenger. I get out of the car, and I'm walking up the road looking for this owl. I have the specific location to look. I didn't see the owl first. The owl saw me. It got up and walked to me. I picked it up, placed it in the box, put the blanket over and put it in the trunk. And he, he wanted to live. He had a broken pelvis and everything, they said. But the owl got up and didn't try to get away or flip over or fight or anything. It wanted somebody to help it. Yeah. Pretty amazing. I picked one owl up off the side of the highway, and it didn't make it. Um, yeah. Spent the whole day getting into a um, a raptor place where they took care of raptors. Yeah. And, uh, they informed us the next day that it didn't make it. Yeah, I would imagine a lot of them probably don't, but at least we gave it a shot. Right. But you're right. You're right. You give them a chance. And not only that, they don't suffer. They'll euthanize them. They'll right. You know, put them out right. of misery. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know. So like I say, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of footage. We've got a lot of footage already of uh, you know fawn rescues and reuniting with the doe right there. Uh, you know bear cubs. We we got a lot of great footage. Um, he had a bear cub. He was starving in the winter because he had a whole face full of porcupine quills. Oh, so no. he was able to net them, get them in a crate, bring them to North Country Wild Care, and uh, we sedated them. And I helped them. We took all the quills out. Um, they kept him through the winter and then the spring when they released him, he went from, I think 30 pounds when I caught him. And when they released him next spring, he was 110 pounds. Yeah. So he was yeah. a dangerous critter when you let him go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 We deal a lot with black bears and, uh, oh, yeah. nuisance bears and bird feeders in the spring. So we try to educate the public, bring in your bird feeders and, you know, they're just looking to eat. Yeah. But yeah. some of them, they be, yeah, we have to condition them with the rubber buckshot, you know, mm -hmm. harass them a little bit, you know. You know, the, yeah, the ones that continue to come and eat people's birds. You know, people refuse to not feed the birds, so the bears are going to come, you know. And it, the deer will come, the bear will come, and but the bears are a little more forceful. And I've seen people that are really creative with the bird feeders. They put them on ropes between the trees and hang them. And there's the bear doing the high wire act. I mean, they're, they're incredibly intelligent and, and uh, 
nimble. My favorite clip that you guys have up um, is the one where you're uh, you come up on a truck. I don't I don't know the story about it, but I'd like to know. You come up on, oh. a, on the back of a truck and you say something about a blood smear on the truck. And the guy is talking a million miles an hour, really nervous. And he says that he, <laughs> yeah. he had a, a pig roast like three years ago or something like that. And you go, three, three years, years ago. ago. Three years ago. Open the tailgate. That's a funny looking pig. <laughs> well, that's an odd looking yeah, pig. Yeah, that's an odd looking pig. Yeah. And then, you know, and you got another guy, one of the other videos where he walked. They, I mean, he's got it on video. So a lot of times. We've got some great footage because, you know, Brian's, I don't know what his plan was. If you planned on doing a show someday or waiting to you met somebody that could, you know, work the editing and stuff with you, but he set up remote cameras in troubled areas. So he'll set the camera up. He sets up, puts the decoy out, waits for the perpetrators, the per possible perpetrators to come wheeling in, do what they're going to do. These guys fired the gun out the window. And I, so I was watching the footage and it was a shotgun. The muzzle blast looked like a flamethrower. I stopped it right there. I used that for the thumbnail on the color camera. Of course, he's got it in night vision from his dash cam. and we, All these angles work great. And I So I pieced them all together because they were recording simultaneously. So I dropped the tracks on each other and just cut them so you can switch back and forth a little. That helps with some audience engagement. And he's, you know, he, he had no idea that I'd be able to use. He's like, I don't know what you can use, but here's the clips. He walks up to the truck and he's like, what are you doing tonight? And, and I notice he says that a lot. He's got a lot of the same lines for the guys that he talks to because it, it trips him up. And the guy's like, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, shoot out the window. No, no. Oh, okay. You open up the truck. There's beer bottles everywhere. Uh, guys been drinking tonight? No. Yeah, okay. You know, and then, the, you know, the guy goes to fantasy land. You pull one guy out of the car. You talk to him. All right. Send him back in the truck. You get the other guy out. Why do you do that? Why do you split them up? No, well, you want to see if their stories match up, you know? And, and each time he pulls them out of the truck, he gets a little different. He'll tell the guy, well, your buddy already told me, so <laughs> what's your story? And then he'll get a little bit more of the truth, except for some people. <laughs> Don't give away all my secrets. I'm not going <laughs> to. But in that, in that one video I'm talking about, that the other guy's like, he's like, uh, whose gun is it? And the guy says, well, I just bought it. And then he's like, oh, all right, uh, well, whose gun is it? Well, it's his. Oh, it's his. So they asked that guy whose gun is. He goes, "Oh, we found it on the side of the road." <laughs> oh, he just shot out the window just to see if it works. Yeah, exactly. Well, who's who shot it? Uh, well, it was my friend. He took off, and you can see he's got him on every camera. He's like, apparently, you've been drinking a lot tonight. <laughs> oh, geez. And some of the stuff is just so you know. That's that's probably my favorite part of the job, and and one of my pet peeves is road hunting. Right. And and I, even people that are just driving around looking for deer and they have a gun ready, and I ask them, you know, if you see a big buck, what are you going to do? Right. Number one, are you even allowed to hunt this property? It's probably posted. And then we bring in the safety factors. That's right. Who's on the other side? Maybe somebody's over there. You don't know. You haven't scouted the area. You're just shooting into the woods. Yeah. Um, it's not fair chase to the wildlife. Um, and, it, know, no, and it's dangerous, like you right. said, you know. And the definition of hunting is all acts of pursuing. So if you're driving around, we do have a charge, you know, taking with the aid of a motor vehicle. So you were actually driving around. That is hunting for deer, and you have a gun. On, your, on a motorized vehicle? So we can take the elements of, of a situation and piece them together and justify a charge of take or attempt to take with the aid of a motor vehicle or taken by means not specified. So we have a lot of uh, charges that we can go with. Um, you know, the gun may not be loaded, but we can say you have a gun ready. You're looking for deer. You're creeping around, looking in lands inhabited by deer. Therefore, you're hunting. Yeah. So we look at all the elements and put them together and and you know, see what they say. But, you know, when with the questioning, I usually ask them questions we already know the answers to to kind of test their credibility mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and just go from there. And, uh, you know, people have a tendency to shut down when they're scared. So maybe mm -hmm. you have to take a, a stance of give them a shoulder and out 
or be the nice officer, you know, whether you're the bad cop. And uh, so you have to have the ability to um, to adapt depending on who you work with and feel them out and who you're dealing with. So, you know, that comes with time experience. You know, before I, I have 34 years of law enforcement and uh, I had 11 in state prisons as a corrections officer. And I also was a drill instructor at the shock camps um, for a few years. And then when I came on the job as a DEC officer, I was a drill instructor in the academies. And uh, so I have 23 years actually as a, right. a DEC officer and 34 years in law enforcement. And I raised four children. So I have a lot <laughs> of practice and in interrogation and interviewing. <laughs> Yeah, we so we got we got a clip that we we're not going to post, but uh, he showed me one the other day. His three year old grandson, he's sitting at the stool and whatnot, and he sends just sends me the clip. So I'm, I'm watching it, and it just said a bad word. Yeah, he said the b word, a bad word, bad. And I said, "Who told you that?" And he blamed it on the dog. He goes, "Coco did it," and he goes, "The dog said it." Yeah. And he's like, see what I'm dealing with? So, you know, <laughs> I'm supposed to be retired. And he's he's got a great sense of humor, you know. And uh, there's humor. Now. So a lot of people are, you know, they see the funny videos we're posting, and I I don't want people to think this is some sort of comedy show because it's not. This is a real deal. Um, it, there's natural humor in some of this stuff because the things people, you know, people do things that are just stupid and say things that are that just sound stupid, and when they hear them later, like I can't believe I said that, you know. Hey Brian, I got I got a question if that's all right about uh, kind of shooting deer at night. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, all over the country, some states it's legal to shine, some states it's not. Mm -hmm. Having shining illegal, do you think that helps your mm -hmm. scenario of people shooting deer at night, or are people that do that going to do that anyway? So where I cover my county for years, uh, borders Vermont and Massachusetts, but spotlighting is legal. But there's some regulations, so you can't spotlight with a firearm, a gun, a shotgun, a bow in the vehicle unless it's locked in the trunk or in a case somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't spotlight within 500 feet of dwellings, occupied factories, buildings, churches without permission. So there's you can legally spotlight under the right conditions, um, but it would make your job easier to identify poachers if they couldn't i think that's what you're asking it's not going to curb it you you know you can ask anybody that breaks the law did you know that was against the law before you shoplifted at walmart yeah why'd you do it well i didn't plan on getting caught that's usually the answer you, if, if you determine that you're going to break the law you're going to break the law um yeah, I, I didn't know if you guys knew any statistics about like you know kentucky you can't shine and is there less road hunters than we have in Indiana because we can shine in Indiana? I didn't know if you guys. So, you know, people, they, so some people may, in areas they know they can't spotlight, they yeah. will use their vehicle headlights. Well, all actuality, that's still artificial light. You're still shining. Sure. So they'll turn their vehicle into the field or they'll use red lights or a quick, just a quick flashlight. You know, the day of, of the guys driving around with 5 million candle power spotlights this big you know they're far and few mm. so they they use other tactics and they're a little sneakier about it yeah adjust yeah. their fog yeah. lamp so they're shining off the side yeah. you know right. a lot so of that tricks. so that's more and they know better and um so that that's oh, how yeah. they they do it now and yeah and even with the crossbow i hate crossbows or because it's a big at least um people use them it's a, it's hard to catch people jacking at night with crossbows oh. you don't hear the sound there's no shot and they actually have the knocks are lit so when they release it the bolt they can find it because it's lit up and they even have gps trackers on them now yeah they can go great yeah they can find so, them easily so i've had a few cases where i've caught guys driving around and they have red lights and starlight gathering scopes lasers using yeah. using uh crossbows and when they shoot a deer they'll just keep driving and come back the next day because they have a gps on it so mm. you know they really turned it up so 
using, you know, night vision and thermal imaging, you know, having the right equipment for the job, you know, helps us as well. So that we try to keep up. But the bottom line is you have to put your time in. And one of the things I say is um, extremely important is have a good relationship with farmers, the community, other sportsmen. So they do inform you what's going on. Right. Because it's their resources, their property, you know, and I'm there. I'm a resource for them as well. So you have to have a good relationship with the public. And I think over the years, I, you know, I'm fair. I'm a little firm, but I'm fair and, and, and forgiving with people that I've arrested one year and I'll bring them deer the next year. So you have to um, show some compassion on the job and look at situations, you know, in its entirety. And, and take all the um, things into consideration. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, and even when you go to court, you know, $2,000 to somebody shooting out of a truck. And then you have somebody who, you know, they, you know, $100 is too much money for them. So you weigh these factors, maybe community service, you know, there's, there's tools we have administrative versus criminal. Right. Um, so I think being a good officer it's not just how many tickets you can write. It's 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 being fair, but um, also educational. If I write somebody a ticket and they do not walk away understanding why they have a ticket, then I didn't do my job. Mm-hmm. So that's important as well. Which um, so four years ago, I and this leads up to what we're doing now. I started a Facebook page called Capital District Sportsman. And it's my page I started four years ago to show the public. And it's private because it's mostly people that are from the capital district around my area. Right. What I did for work, whether it's rehabbing animals, uh, catching people, education. I started the page off with, hey, what's the state fish? You know, New York state fish. Ooh, think about it. King salmon. No, brook trout. Oh, the state bird, <laughs> the state mammal, the state tree. So that's how I engaged them initially. And uh, so the page grew. Uh, I think I'm up around almost 8,000 members. And it's to educate, show them what I did for work and share what I do. And I actually started a small like school and we did fundraising for holidays for people in need, raising money, uh, grocery shopping cards, uh, Christmas trees to families that couldn't afford it. And so doing this show, we want to do uh, is the same thing. I have 22 years of journals, diaries, and case folders. So I said, Lee, I'll do it. Uh, By the way, it was your idea, not mine. Yeah. Uh, Because it'd be nice to share this stuff with people to kind of see what we do. And I'd like to also add the element of, you know, we'll do some, you know, we have diner scenes, everyday interaction with the public and other people. It's also being a good game warden because you have to work with the community and and be a resource for them diners bar rooms all those places and i've been in them for work as well yeah yeah not not to drink but yeah yeah, he's got there's some really good stuff out there and uh so with the school the facebook page this thing with my career they all kind of encompass each other and it's it's the same idea so we'll see how it goes And, And, and when you see the quality of the episodes that's, I do the editing, but this is the guy that scrutinizes. I'll, I'll do an edit and he'll, yeah, he'll call me five minutes later and go, nope, nope. That's I, not how take, we talk. What take that doing? out of there. <laughs> yeah. No, we, yeah, we did say that, but don't put that in there. They can't know that. I, all right. I, I'm like, it's great. And he's like, I'm going to hang up. I'm like, don't hang up. So, you know, and it, like I say, we, we've been friends for years. There's a lot to learn about. What he, how he feels about these things, what he does with these things, and what he wants to reveal, what he doesn't, and what we need to make the show engaging. And uh, we find, I mean, it's, we've been going at this for about a year behind the scenes now. He'll send me something I'll put together, and he's like, hey, uh, that's really good. Don't post it. So mm-hmm. we put it together, and then finally, you know, he called me up, and he goes, all right, I'm ready. Uh... I do. One thing we I have had is a, a handful of mountain lion investigations people swear they see mountain lions they end up being bobcats a coyote with mange um yeah house uh, cats yeah big feral cats 
And I go, yeah, you know how yeah. big a mountain lion is? No, 20 pounds. I said, no, try 150 to 220. Yeah. Pounds. So, yeah, they. So they, they had this thing going on for a while. They Somebody downloaded a photo. It, it looked like Tibbetts Forest and who's it, kind of. So Brian had to go investigate it. So he went to the people's house. They had a photo of a cat in their yard. And he walked out to where the cat was supposed to be, and the, the two trees were that far apart. Yeah. <laughs> the cat was... <laughs> but it looked... it The way they took the photo and stretched it, it did look like at night a mountain yeah. lion. <clears throat> but they're, they're convinced that Brian... A lot of people are convinced that Brian's lying. He's oh, covering they, it up for DEC. Yeah, and our department released them for deer control. I've been hunting these mountains for decades. I've seen one mountain lion, and I saw it in New Jersey, and it escaped from a game farm. I thought it was cracking up. I, I called the gun store. I'm like, you know, Joe, <clears> I just saw this. I saw a mountain lion out here in Stoke State Forest. Can you – did I see that or not? He said, yeah, they had a game farm closed down. He left the animals there and a bunch of them escaped. So, yeah, there's a mountain lion running around out there. I said, okay. But people, like, I'll walk into storage, and you know how you have the old guys that are retired sitting at storage drinking coffee, you know, gossiping. Right. And I'm in uniform. They'll, hey, you know, is there really mountain lions? And I'll say, no, we did not release them. And I'll wink and then walk out the door. (laughs) So they run with that. Right. That's funny. told you. Uh, Brian, what are your yeah. thoughts on the uh, all the new technology with drones as coming into the hunting industry right now? Well, that's illegal for uh, at least New York State to hunt with drones. But um, the past several years, I, I've had calls where um, they say, hey, you know, late at night, we're hearing drones around the house and around our property. Um, I've investigated a few of them and they're they're tough. You have to be there at the right time, and yeah. and then to pinpoint where the con- they're being the controlled. Is, yeah, the operator. It's almost impossible. It's like chasing shots in the middle of the night when mm-hmm. I'm out out of tracking detail, and you hear a gunshot a mile away. You know, you you forget it. You know, you can't chase them. It, right. it's, you're not going to catch them. So what, yeah, about so, for, what about for like deer recovery services and oh, things like so that? I was just going to say that I, I've been watching. Um, deer drone recovery, the the YouTube channel, and it's fantastic. Uh, I actually have a Mavic drone, not that one. He's got a twenty thousand dollar drone. He's got thermal imaging and a zooming camera. He literally can count the points of it. I mean, fly right four hundred feet up and zoom right down on a deer, so it looks like it's in his lap. It's, yeah. it's incredible technology, and I I'm for that. I think that's great. I I agree. Anything to recover deer so it doesn't go to waste. However, people use that as a loophole and will take advantage of it. We use a lot of dogs, the dash hounds, the little dachshunds, and their recovery, I believe, 90%, the one dog we have locally, um, and uh, they do a terrific job. So we have uh, some dogs. They do a, a fantastic job. The little hot dogs? Yeah. yeah. Dash hounds, the dachshunds. Yeah, they here. use them for hunting varmints underground, I think. Don't yeah. They? yeah, they're quite a hunter, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, sorry, I had just a few things I had written down. I wanted to run by you that are kind of oh, hot, hot topics right now in the hunting world is uh, um, there's like Kansas recently banned trail cameras. And I always wondered, like, what brought that about? And I didn't know if you had as, as a game warden had any like negative experiences with trail cameras that would cause like New York to say, forget this. And we're not having <laughs> trail cameras on uh, public Actually, land anymore. I, well, they can go in your favor as an officer because there's the evidence who mm-hmm. put the bait out. Yep. Pull the card. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. So we can use them to our advantage. Um, so are you saying, is it an ethical thing? No, the I just trail- was wondering, I was just wondering if you had any insight on like what would make a state decide that let's not use trail cameras anymore. Like, does it ever become an issue as like a game warden that there's too many cameras out here or two people are, like abusing things or anything like that. So what, what was the logic for their, them making? Well, I, we have like, no idea, really. I heard a couple of things. I heard one, one of them was, uh, was game harassment. There, there's too many uh, cameras put over water holes and uh, okay. animals couldn't uh, go there for watering, like in Arizona and stuff where it's hot. Right. You'd have a hundred cameras on one water hole and they'd have people constantly checking the right. camera. It wasn't um, it. No, I think uh, Nebraska was it Nebraska that banned them first or something or North Dakota. It was one of those. 
because you know it had something to do with shed hunting and all that too. They banned that. Like you're not allowed to go hiking in the woods looking for deer antlers or elk antlers at a certain time of year. Now you have to wait. The other other big one was uh, the ethics of uh, cell cams that um, Mm -hmm. some places banned cell cameras, thinking it gave too much of an advantage. Right, that's what I would assume would be. Yeah. It it now I'm going to tell you that does give an advantage. Uh, This winter was the first time I ever used a cell camera. I put four of them out on these three mountains and, uh, you know, I had a lot of country to cover one guy by himself. So I figured I'd give it a try. And I will tell you, they literally allow you to know exactly when the deer are there. I could be, I could be eating breakfast and it'll go off and tell me the deer's there. So I know he's up on that Ridge. And if I see on my camera that he came from the, the trail that I suspect he's coming out of bedding, I could literally go park, slip in if I wanted to and sit on that bank. Um, I don't hunt that way, but it did allow me to know when the deer were there during the daylight. And I would go two or three days and sacrifice those days to allow those deer to get comfortable in there. And then I would move in, remove the cameras, get in my stand and sit for days on end until they came back in the daylight on that pattern. Um, you know, it's a hot, I, I posted on my page a few years ago, it was a hot topic. I said, are fish finders cheating? And boy, the, oh. The, oh yeah, same. Oh so yeah, you can, get some, same. you can get some discussions going on that because... <laughs> Yeah, I've got fish finders on my saltwater boat that uh, there. It's like a video game. I can literally tell what kind of fish they are and all in the water column. And I've got a camera I can drop down if I want. What is it, stripers or, or bluefish? Okay. How about food plots? Can you legally hunt over over food plots? Right. And you can. And in I, and and you know when I talk to guys, they grow you know turnips, biologic, Brassica. all these. Yeah. I say, you know what? To, in my opinion, that should be a sanctuary. If you want to promote, you know, healthy deer, but setting up your blinds over these food plots, it's like a shooting gallery. So is it legal? Yeah. Do I think it's ethical, good sportsmanship? No, personally, no. Right. right. So going back to the trail cameras, you know, I would look at somebody and say, you know what, you need a trail camera to help you hunt. But somebody who does not use all these tools, maybe they're a better hunter. I, you know, yeah. there's different ways to yeah. look at it. But, well, I remember the yeah. day when they just had string timers and I used to put those out in the woods and I got, that was the first time I got switched. So what's the, you know, what's the definition of fair chase to a deer? You know, some states allow baiting. I hate, I don't agree with it. You know, placing bait, having cameras, you know. So like you said earlier, right? they're making your hunting easier. Yep. So yeah. no, I was just curious if you had any like negative interactions with, with trail cameras that would you would be like i hate these things i wish they were legal, illegal you know they've actually uh, helped us in, in a lot right, of cases yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense you can ask that a guy sense. you see his trail camera there and you know and i've seen this happen with some people that were you wearing your orange oh uh, yeah oh okay let's take a look at your trail camera and then it shows a guy walk in with no orange yeah and i mean I, that's to me, that's nothing. I don't care about that. No, not I, you, but, I, it's, but it's happened in New Jersey with a few people. But for a property owner, say you have posted right. property and you're sick of people trespassing. Right. Yeah. So we would say to some, hey, listen, you have some trail cameras, set them up. And now you caught people trespassing. And so it's a good tool for somebody. Right. They're not hunters, but they're protecting their property. And uh, so personally, at this point, I, I, I hear, you know, what you're saying. They were a yeah. nuisance to the wildlife. So, you know, it's a balance. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think they're good, a good tool overall. Yeah. Yeah. One of the people watching the show um, posted that uh, she batteries. thinks that uh, um, people taking the lithium batteries out of the camera, throwing them on the ground when they're reloading the batteries and cameras is part of the problem. Yeah. Probably so is. we've got, uh, we've got 500 acres of property up here. That's, you know, that we hunt it's private. And there were some guys that border us, and I found one of their, they had a spy point camera, the great big antenna on it, right where I was setting up to hunt some deer. So I leaned down to the camera to know whose it was, and I, I waved at it and held my business card up and told him to call me. Guy called me, and I, I said, uh, this is your camera. Yeah. I said, okay. I said, you hunting here? Well, I have, but not anymore. And there's a ladder stand there and a bunch of empty cores, light cans on the ground, and a pair of that guy that did that passed away, but um i said okay so that's not yours all right no so well meet me here when you can so he came in i said you guys still want to hunt here right 
yeah, we don't want to be enemies with our neighbors. We want to have good neighbors. So I uh, discovered the batteries in the packages all stuffed around logs and stuff right around that camera. So I asked him if those were his. And he admitted they were. He cleaned them all up. And since then, he hasn't done it. But like Brian says with education, that's a lot of things you do to educate people, like fishing line on duck legs. And, you know, I mean, it, there's a lot of things out there. And I think people just don't think about the long-lasting effects or what could happen you know, if something ingests a lithium battery or, you know, fish wads of fishing line, man, I've gotten that in the prop of my boat so many times, or, you know, you see wildlife along the water with it wrapped all around them. Yeah. You know, yeah. But that's why we have like your, you know, my Facebook page, you know, your, what you guys do, your platforms right. to educate and having this yep, discussion sure. and her mentioning the batteries, right. Hopefully, yep. you know, a thousand people hear it. So that's right. Yeah. You know, and if you and if you get ten of them to take that in and think, geez, I yeah. uh, maybe I won't do that anymore. You know, that's then you've you've accomplished something. And they'll educate hopefully ten people themselves, and it, right. it spreads. So yeah. yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's a great point. Yeah, Elizabeth. yeah. Thanks, Elizabeth, for the for the donation too. Um, and the thing is, we, as as just to real quickly, go ahead you know, for New York State. You know, my favorite part of the job, I like game warden, but we transitioned to environmental conservation officers because we also handle environmental crimes, the polluting, the dumps, uh, you know, air quality, wetland protection, stream protection. So we not only do fish and game and off-road enforcement, we also do all the environmental enforcement as well. So I'm very sensitive to things like that, illegal dumping cases and, and change your oil next to the creek. Yeah. 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 So I, some of my biggest cases have been environmental crimes, not the hunt so much. So, oh, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Something else that's gotten brought up in a couple of states this year. And I had a buddy from Kentucky mention it to me also is uh, there's some states thinking about going back to like uh, in-person check-in of game uh, instead yep. of the online systems. What is your thoughts on that, Brian? Or could you see a benefit of, going kind of a point, step points, back that way. Stations, you know, that's beneficial for direct, for biologists, especially to collect data. We have, and I'm sure you guys, we have the QDMs, the quality deer management uh, communities where they have uh, farmers and property owners where they want people to bring the deer to a way station so they can get age <clears> the deer, see their conditions, the weights and see what's around. So right now for New York, um, our biologists pretty much go to the processors and they're there um, because they're allowed to be there by the, <coughs> the processor to collect data. And so the issue is it's like they don't call law enforcement, even though they see some violations because they're afraid the owner of the shop will kick them out. So we miss out on a lot of violations because they're there as biologists to collect data. So exactly what you said, if it's mandatory to go to these weigh-in stations or checkpoints, that would benefit law enforcement and the biologists together because they don't have a choice. They have to do it by law. So I would support that. I, I, I like that. Does that answer yeah. your question? Kind of? Yeah, I did. I was just curious. I just, it's uh, kind of oddly enough popped up a couple, uh, a couple of as a, as a hunter, I, I'm for it because I just think it's too easy for people to slip some deer home and not register them and just keep hunting. I, I think if uh, mm. you have to go physically report it, have, you know, present your tag, your license and get it reported, the game warns, you know, it's easier for them to track if somebody actually got a deer yet. If somebody calls and goes, you know, hey, uh, Tom Smith uh, got turned an eight pointer in Saturday or he had one in his truck, you know, then he can go, look, is there blood on your tailgate? Is there, you know, whatever, did you check the deer in? If you didn't and you don't have your confirmation number, then you know there's too there's too many people out there that are that are being game hogs and that you know that in the 80s here in Vermont we had you could go to any field on any day and there'd be hundreds of deer out. And then uh through the in the 1981 or 82, we had doe season with a rifle. We had you know non-residents coming in, buying up the tags, and you know. They would just go in and mow down deer and, and just shoot everyone they saw and pick the one they want. We would find, you know, you'd find deer in the woods dead, left, that had been left for three or four days. So you couldn't do anything with them. 
Um, and now you're lucky if you drive from here to the northern part of the state to see a dozen deer, you know, on most days. There are areas that have some, you know, good numbers where it's private property or whatever. And a lot of people hunting, so you're saying that you support it for game harvest? I support it for, for, for game biologists. harvest. And, and, I, and I think that that we probably had a lot less uh, overtaking, you know, uh, taking too many. You know, once you put people on the honor system, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes yeah. I've lost yeah. faith in, in the honor system with a lot of things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People could just not, not check them into, you know? Well, that's what way. I mean. <laughs> yeah. But, right. but if you, but what I'm saying is right now, the way it is, there's really no reason for anybody to call and say, Oh, I saw Tom Smith with a deer. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But if, if they're, Back in the day, used to check him in. The newspapers used to publish who got the deer. So if you know Tom Smith had an eight-pointer in his barn and you didn't see his name in the paper, then, you know, mm -hmm. somebody might call that in and say, hey, you know, I saw Tom hunting yesterday. You know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of things that could be reduced with that. I mean, I, I remember a case uh, that happened in Vermont when I was growing up. A couple brothers that used to overhunt. Um, one brother got a nice buck and everybody knew it and he reported it. But he went hunting with his brother on Thanksgiving and shot his brother who got a deer. And it was, uh, he was dressing it on the stone wall. He saw the antlers and shot at it and shot his brother in the head. So, oh my gosh. yeah. And, uh, you know, so if he wouldn't have been out hunting with a deer rifle, you know, during deer season, he was already <laughs> tagged out. Then that, yep. that probably could have been avoided too, you know. But, yeah. Brian, how many times has uh, social media led you to a uh, arrest or a ticket? <sighs> Oh yeah, that, my the page, oh, <laughs> and not just yeah. for myself, other officers in other counties. Yeah, yeah. And people posting. I remember one a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was a white. It was a wife, and she posted two big bucks. She said, "Oh, congratulations to my husband. He got two bucks mm. this morning." And uh, so I screenshot it. Five minutes, it was down because the son called, "Mom, take that down. That's illegal." But it was too late. I already saw it. Oh <laughs> man. I know. Yeah. Oh, I had a good case, a turkey case, where yeah. last year, uh, someone, I looked on Facebook, they go, check this guy out. And he's standing there with a turkey out of season. And he's like, uh, you know, all proud. And I looked at it, I took a screenshot. Okay, same thing. A few minutes later, it's down. Somebody said, hey, Josh, get that off there. You know it's out of season. The game warden's going to find out. So I went to his house. His sister was there. I go, where are they at? Oh, he's with my father. They're, you know, in Berlin Forest. All right, give him a call. So the father gets on the phone. Yeah, what do you want? I said, I'm at your house. Can you guys come here? What did we do wrong? I said, listen, your son's holding the turkey. That was a joke. That was three years ago. I said, oh, yeah? Well, the boots he's wearing just came out two months ago. I'll see you when you get home. <laughs> so the, yeah, boot, yeah. the boots he was wearing in the photo just came out. So oh, he confessed. And, oh, yeah. Right. Social media, yeah. there's quite a yeah. few cases. Oh, you shot that 33 years ago. Well, how did you have a 2021 truck in 2018? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> of people they like to brag, yeah, yeah, get you oh, in yeah. trouble. And, and that's another thing. So, New York is also three, four, five, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was three or four years ago they banned selfies with fish that are out of season. They did, right? Isn't there an issue with that? I think. I read somewhere there was. Well, the well because they, they want you to release the fish. They right. you know they don't want to. It's not illegal in they itself. Don't want, they don't want the fish to you know. So if you're if you're targeting a species and you're taking photos with it, but the I think he was referring to the sturgeon. Oh, okay. the issue was people during the striper run in Troy were foul hooking sturgeon, and sturgeon you're supposed to unhook them in the water, not take them out of the water, release immediately un, unharmed. So people were posing with them in social media yeah. holding them up out of the water so that oh. caused a big issue yeah yeah so that imagine. was just, uh, okay yeah. all right yeah. it's like so I, I remember i took a pair of two of the shad and somebody messaged me and they said you know when you catch those kind of fish just put them right back in the water it'll take your picture so i'm like oh okay well you know. yeah yeah it's a little yeah. much i mean if you catch a bass that's out of season you can fish them all year in places yeah right. take a picture put it back that's not illegal okay so. all right uh, I don't mind if people think it is. That's fine. Right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I definitely thought that. So I, you know. In certain species, you can't target out of season. Some you can. Yeah. 
certain regulations. So, right. Catch yeah. and release and all that. But for anybody, just, you know, for us, New York State, you know, uh, freshwater fishing regulations, you'll see the link and that'll give you all the updates. I direct everybody there so they right, can yeah. read, it, read it for themselves because yeah. I can't memorize everything. But I right, can right, right. bring it to the, the source, the resource. Right. Yeah. 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 No. All right, guys. I mean, we've been on here for well over an hour now. Oh, um, wow. Wow. I didn't get yeah. to the good stories yet. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> everybody needs to go over and uh, check out your guys' YouTube channel, um, Upstate Warden Diaries TV, and and uh, the, the good stories will be coming on there, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And those are, yeah, we're, those are we're everywhere. We're Facebook, Upstate Warden Diaries TV. We're TikTok, YouTube. We have a Patreon page that's built. We're not using it yet, but... That's where the episodes will be airing is behind the Patreon. Uh, for now, everybody will get the teasers and, you know, clips as we make our way up through. But and I, and I want to say thank you to everybody watching and everybody that sees this. I want to say thank you to everybody for the subscriptions and uh, the comments and the likes. I mean, some of these videos have, uh, you know, over a thousand likes. Uh, you know, we really didn't know that we were going to get be this well received. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, YouTube is tough. Mm -hmm. Social media can be tough. But I think even the even the haters that are out there that you know make all the negative comments about game wardens and things. I think some of, as they get to see Brian in action, how Brian deals with people, you know, that'll shed the light on it. They're not all. I mean, you know, there's a bad apple in every bushel. There, you know, there, he'll tell you there's some game wardens out there that don't, you know, that don't maybe maybe not as nice with things. But um, as he said, he's firm, but he's fair. You break the law, you tell them the truth. Well, then obviously, you know, you'll probably receive some, you know, uh, less strict punishment or, you know, but uh, or less harsh. But yeah. Um, and on the last note with that, we even have people that I ticketed with these cases that want to come do reenactments of their own case of their own case. So there's no hard feelings. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thanks. Well, uh, everybody. Be patient yeah. with us. Appreciate talking to you guys. It's been great. Hopefully we'll we'll talk in the future. And... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dan uh, and I have been friends on Facebook for about a year or so since uh, I discovered his, his videos and I, you know, we've all been watching them and um, you know, we got talking when I was posting this and I, I want to thank you, uh, Dan and the guys at hunting public too, for, you know, the, the allowing us to use our page to post things. Uh, the, the reach is incredible. We've, we've been reaching like 190,000 people with the post. You know, yeah. so any, anything we can do for you or help you, that's or, right. You know, please feel free to reach out. That's right. We just love what you guys are doing. Keep Thank it up. You. Thank yeah, you, Dan. Brian, Brian, thanks for uh, a career full of preserving what uh, we love to do. So we appreciate that, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, so keep your uh, eyes yeah. open. Brian's up yeah. for the Guy Bat Guy Bradley Award. He's been entered into that for consideration. So uh, awesome. that's something well, to look up. Guy, Guy Bradley Award. All right. Uh, everybody, thanks for hopping on tonight. Before you leave, make sure you hit the like button and give us a subscribe if you like the show tonight. We'll talk to everybody later. See you, everybody. Thanks, everybody.